Amen. All right, tonight, God's game plan for trials. Isaiah chapter 40, we're going to be in verse 27 through 31. We're going to be bouncing around quite a few scriptures for you guys to be going to tonight. But what do we do? What do you do? What do you do when it just seems that life's circumstances will not stop? When the waves just continue to keep crashing and the circumstances and situations just keep coming and you can't hardly even catch your breath. You can't even, you can't even like raise up your head. It just seems. And I was sharing with the staff probably a couple weeks ago, just Lord, I'll take four hours. I'll take one hour where I don't get the text. I don't get the phone call. I don't get the situation, the, the drama, whatever it is. And, and for me personally, this, this year has been, been a rough year. And there's a lot of circumstances and situations. You know, probably the biggest thing was the passing of my stepdad in March, who was more like my real dad. And it just seems the cascading and then issues and problems. And, and I know that there's those that are here tonight that can relate to what I'm talking about. But what do we do? And if you're here tonight and you're in that place where you're feeling like you're the disciples, you're in the boat, and that boat is filling up with water, and Jesus is in the back sleeping, and you're like, Lord, don't you care? Don't you? I'm going down. You know, tonight's for you. And we're going to give an opportunity for you to come forward to be prayed for. But I want to give you um, instruction. I want to give you help, tools to help you through this. Now, you veteran Christians, of course, this is just replay for you. But even the veterans, even you older saints, you know what I'm talking about. You're going through it. You're having a tough time. And then the thing about going through trials and such, a lot of times it's so internal, so personal that in your crying out to God and you're going through it and your despair and such, you're putting on the game face. You're here tonight. You're, you're okay, yeah, I'm a stiff upper lip, but you're dying inside. You're about ready to, to chuck it, to throw it in. And you're even asking yourself, seriously, is this, is this even real? God, I've been going through this for so long. I've been praying. I've been asking you. I've been crying out. I've been begging you. I've been fasting. I've been giving more money. I mean, anything. And yet, no answer, no response. And so tonight, in our despair, we can find ourselves, Psalm 77, Asaph here, this, this speaks often of where we can be, where we can find ourselves. I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. Oh, God, help me. My soul refused to be comforted, not because it didn't want to, because it couldn't. Verse 3, I remembered God. I was troubled. I complained. My spirit was overwhelmed. Job could have written this. You hold my eyelids open. You know what that means? Anybody be there? You can't sleep. The anxiety has so overwhelmed you. You can't sleep. There's no sleep. I got a brother ministering to right now, tells me he's getting maybe two hours of sleep a night, can't sleep. I am so troubled, I cannot speak. This is a bad place to be. I have considered the days of old, years of ancient times, trying to remember, I call to remembrance my song in the night, trying to remember something to bring hope, bring life. I meditate within my heart, and my spirit makes diligent search, and then here is where the enemy comes. And you can see this is just all the lies the enemy pounding on Asaph here. Verse 7, will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? Has his promise failed forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies to me and to you? When you find yourself in that place where you're crying out. And I believe in these last days, the warfare, the, the trials, um, going to get more intense and the frequency is going to continue to happen. And, and we can just read the book of Jeremiah. We can read the story of Jeremiah. Perfect example. Here he was, God's prophet, God's man. Go preach, preach, preach. Change. Turn, people, turn. And yet they didn't. They wouldn't. And Jeremiah went through it with the nation, just as if he was involved in it, thrown in a pit, threatened to be killed all the time. When we look at this passage, the scripture here, this book is phenomenal. It's such an incredible prophecy. 
And we're not going to get into much of that. But when we look at this passage, the children of Israel, Isaiah is prophesying, you're going into captivity unless you turn. But he tells them, hey, you're going. Jeremiah was telling them, you're going. He tells them, you're going in. He's prophesying that they're going in, but he's also prophesying how they're going to react and how they're going to act and what their response is going to be and how they're going to be, feel like God is treating them. And remember, this is God speaking through Isaiah to the nation, children of Israel. God is speaking this, but he's now speaking a message of comfort. Chapters 1 through 39, judgment, judgment, judgment. Chapters 40 through 66, comfort, verse 1 of chapter 40, comfort. Yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended and her iniquity is pardoned. Isaiah was telling them, hey, you guys, yeah, (laughs) you're going in. Now, their sin caused this situation. I'm not really focusing on that tonight. I'm just focusing on the fact that we're in it and we're going through it. And how do we get through it? And he instructs them. He speaks comfort. Tell them to trying to reassure the nation. You know what? Yes, it's going to be tough, but God will see you through. And he lays it out right here. God's game plan right here for trials. He lays it out. And, of course, he instructs them in the trial. But the key was that they had to, four-letter word, W-A-I-T. Anybody love that word? I just love to wait at the red lights on Crenshaw. I've said it before. I'm still, I still got issues, still got, you know, therapy going on. I just can't stand that road. Nobody loves to wait. It's the last saying we want to hear. But how we wait is really the only thing that we can control in the situation while we wait. How you wait. And you can wait at that red light just <laughs> pounding on the horn, honking, mad as a hornet, mad dog and everybody around you. Or you can have tunes on, cranked up, you can't hear nothing, you don't even know the light's red and you're just praising Jesus. Am I right? Doesn't happen too often, but that's what we need to do. But while we wait, though, while we wait in this passage is the great promises that are there. So we see here, verse 27, number one, the rift. And I'm using all R's tonight, so I had to come up with something that, you know, was really the problem. What's the problem? What's the rift here? What's the problem? See, they believed that God had abandoned them. They'd lost confidence in God, and they'd stopped believing. He says here, Isaiah, why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God. You ever said that? God, you don't even know what's going on in my life. Can't you see that I got like zero money? Can't you see that I've been praying for this job for years? And that's what they were saying. God, you're gone. You're completely out of the picture. We are left here on our alone, alone. Remember, they're in Babylon, the exile, they've been taken away, they've been taken from their homes. Incredible trial. Imagine that. Imagine you're uprooted right now and you're going to be taken to, I don't know, the armpit of the world, like the middle of the desert in Arizona. I mean, nothing out there. That's what they're talking about here. See, the disciples, though, they felt much the same way. There in, in Mark chapter 4, the story, of course, and, and I even alluded to that as we began to study tonight. The disciples are in the boat. Jesus says, hey, let's all go over to the other side. Let's all jump into this boat. Come on, we're going together. So they get in the boat, and then the storms come. The waves start crashing. The Sea of Galilee goes crazy. And Jesus is there. And where's he at? He's asleep in the stern. He's asleep in the back. And the disciples are like, wait a minute. Water is coming in the boat. We're filling up. We're going to sink. We're going to drown. We're all going to die. And in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your situation, circumstance, man, you can just feel it like, Lord, okay, I'm I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm coming up. I'm going down. I'm going down for the last time. And they come to him. And it really, they like flat out just like, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Jesus, don't, don't you care what's going on in my life? That's where the nation was. That's what was going on. That was the problem. We can find ourselves saying the same thing. But now Isaiah 
Verse 28, this is the reminder, though. He's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Have you not known? Yes, they had. Have you not heard? Yes, they did. The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. He's talking about Elohim. He's talking about Jehovah. He's talking about the big guy. I mean, like, the one who's done it all. And basically, he's telling them, you've, you've forgotten who I, speaking of God, am. I'm the God who's always existed. I'm the God who has made everything. I'm the God who can't forget. I'm the God who can't fall short. I'm the God who knows all things. All things. And this reminder goes for all of us to be reminded. First, number one, that he knows. Psalm 139, verse 1 through 4. Love this. The omniscience of God. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. Now, check this out if you don't know this passage. You know my sitting down. So right now he knows you're sitting down. He knows my rising up. Those who need to rise up and go use the restroom, he knows that you're going to do that. You know my sitting down. You know my rising up. You understand my thought from afar off. There he is in heaven. And this isn't just speaking of me or one person. This is every single person, not just in this room. This is God. You understand my thought far off. You comprehend my path or you discern my path and my lying down. And you are acquainted. The NASB translation says you are intimately acquainted with all my ways. For there's not a word on my tongue. But behold, O Lord, you know it all together. It's like every word that I'm saying, he already knows. Every cry. Every plead. Beg all these words he knows. God knows. God knows. He knows me. He also knows where I am today. Not just physically, but where I am emotionally and spiritually in this life, in this trial that's going on. Now, the book of Job, if you're reading through the Bible, right? All of us, you're still reading through the Bible, right? Everybody still, you've got three months to go and you've, you've done it. I didn't hear like any amens like, yeah, Mo, come on, people. If you don't have this in you every day, it's a whole other subject, a whole other Bible study. But Job there, going through his incredible trial, in, in Job chapter 23, he starts off, he's, he's, he's asking, he says he wishes he could go find God. I, you know, knock on a door, I'm going to go find him. Look, I, I go around the corner, I can't find him. I turn left, he can't find God. But... The amazing verse 2310 is that he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. Job had that confidence that God knew where he was at. Also, thirdly, he knows what I need. And Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, he's teaching disciples how to pray. Verse 8, he says, hey, God knows your needs even before you pray, before you even ask. So his understanding or his knowledge, we can't comprehend it, is awesome. He neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable, back to Isaiah 28. This, this God of the universe and understanding, knowledge of where you and I are today. That's a reminder. And number three, though, verse 29, the response. Now, this is God's response to their questioning, to their, their needs, basically. He says here, he gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. I love this. He gives, he gives, he gives. This is God's response to our needs. And right now, where you're at, right now, in the midst of your pit of your trial, he's giving. He's giving. He's giving. You're here tonight. You're still standing. You're still walking. Maybe barely, maybe just holding on by a thread, but you're here. He gives, he gives, he gives. To the weak, power. To the weak, to those who need it the most. And his power is to fight your way through. The power of God to fight through. To the weak, power. And to those who have no might, strength. To those who acknowledge their need, and this is the strength that we need to hold up under the weight of the trial of the continuous onslaught of circumstances in life happening even now. He gives, he gives, he gives. It's a wonderful picture of our God. And ultimately, 
Who did he give as a demonstration that he gives? That's like an easy test there. He gave Jesus, all right. Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? He's like, I gave you my very best. I gave you my son. That's my demonstration. What else am I going to withhold from you? I gave you my son. He's giving. He's giving you. This is God's response. There's the reminder. This is the response to what's going on. He gives, he gives, he gives. What will he not give you in time of need? As we remember that he gave Jesus. If he gave Jesus, what else is he going to give us? He's going to give us everything. Power and strength. Then number four, verse 30, we have the reality, though. It says, even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. The most vigorous, the strongest, the best, even those need help. And we're going to finally come to that place, and there's a lot of people who actually hold out against these trials, and, and, and we know those who are believers here, what was it that brought you to Jesus? It certainly wasn't, man, life is just so, <laughs> this is the best in the world. And I, you know what? I think I'm just going to go find Jesus right now. Everything else is so, so good in my life. Anybody find Jesus that way? I know not one person. Everybody that I know has come just like crawling, begging, crying out, okay, enough. But the sad thing is, how long did it take for you and for I to finally, okay, I, I get it. I mean, how many black guys, how many bloody noses, how many times running into the wall, how many times just completely blowing it takes time. But even those, man at his best will fail. That's reality. But in the midst of a trial, the sooner we realize this, obviously, the better. We surrender the situation to God. And remember, even Jesus cried out. Did he not? Where do you cry out at? In the garden? Man. I, he says he was sorrowful unto death. And in the midst of trials that are just so heavy, loss of loved ones, job situations, health situations can just go crazy on you. Anybody dealing with back issues out there? I mean, a back issue that just won't go away. That's heavy duty stuff. Wears on you. Pain wears on you. Wears you down. And where's the devil in all this? Well, I'll give you a break, you know, kind of cut you some slack a little bit here. Just pouring it on, heaping it. Keeping up. Jesus cried out, God, if, if it's possible, let this cup pass. And, and you're crying out, Lord, please, you know, come on. Long enough. Long enough. That's the reality, though. But now we turn the corner here. Verse 31, the remedy. 31. But those who wait or those who hope or those who trust, means to wait for his help, to trust, to put our hope, our confidence in him. Okay, now, okay, here it is, the key to the message here. And in this process, we have to give God time to speak, and we have to give God time to work in our lives. But nobody wants to wait. You want this trial over, I mean, you don't get a parking spot at Starbucks when you're pulling in. You're like, I'm not even going to work, man. I'm just, that's it. I'm going. I mean, that's how silly it is, but we hate to wait. We want the trial over immediately. Okay, I, I learned, Lord, it's, it's 30 seconds. I learned my lesson. Learned my lesson. Okay, can, can we kind of like, and you know, it's interesting. Across this room right now, you have people sitting next to each other. And those who don't know each other, you could be in a situation where, you know what? It's been kind of smooth sailing so far. The very person right next to you could be saying, it's just been unrelentless. And there's no rhyme or reason. And oftentimes in our trials, what well, it doesn't make any sense to us. 
I mean, think of Job. It didn't make any sense to him what he was going through. But we have to wait. We give God time to speak. And now this is in prayer. We're listening. Remember, he's your counselor. He's the best and he is free. You can spend a whole lot of money going to counselors. We give God time to speak. We're listening, but also we're in the word searching, you guys. Searching for words of comfort, hope, and strength to addresses that you already have underlined when you are struggling. You have your devotions. You have your, okay, if you're reading through the word, whatever, but there's those times you wake up, you know what? I'm, I'm going to Psalm 23. I'm going to Psalm 46. I'm going to Isaiah 41. I mean, these scriptures you have that you have to have tucked away in your heart that, that come and you read those and you meditate on those and you chew on those. And if you don't have any, if you're not sure, Google. Serious. Google scriptures of comfort. There it is. And just read and listen and wait for God to speak. So we give God time to speak. We also give God time to work in our hearts and our lives, to act. And this is the tough part. Psalm 40 speaks of this waiting. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. Now, how long did he have to wait before the next line? And he inclined to me. He heard my cry. And here's what happened after he waited. And he also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. And that's how we feel when we're in those places. It's a horrible pit. It's a terrible place to be where you're just so overwhelmed in your heart and your soul. Just like, I I can't take another thing, God. I can't take another phone call. I can't take another situation. I'm ready to, to jump off the cliff here. He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. And he set my feet upon a rock and he established my steps. Oh, and he has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. And as the psalmist waited and God did this in our lives and every single one of us, if you've been through one trial and you've come through it, you have enough of a history to realize that's exactly what God does and did. And it is an incredible thing when you come finally to that place where, man, Lord, you did hear my prayer. You did answer. The job came through. The money is in the bank. The, the report came back negative on cancer. I mean, all these things. Oh, I love that. A new song. The new song is Happy Day. Hallelujah. I'm, I, I'm, I'm done with this for right now till you get home or you go to work tomorrow. That's the truth. We wait patiently, but also I wait expectantly. Psalm 62, one of my favorite psalms here. Verse 5 of Psalm 62, my soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. And this, of course, speaks for the fact that, you know what? Yeah, your husband, your wife can pray for you, your friends, your church members, they can help, they can do all these things. But, you know, ultimately, it's, it's God. He's the only one that can fix the situation. Why? Because he's the one that's involved in the situation. He's involved in your trial. He's in the midst of it. My expectation is from him. So I wait expectantly, but also I wait confidently. Verse 6, he only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. See the confidence in that? In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength. My refuge is in God. God's going to take care of this. He's the one that has the ability. Verse 8, I love this. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Oh, the refuge, the place of hiding and waiting. So I wait patiently. I wait expectantly. I wait confidently. 
And that's the remedy. That's what we have to do. Trying to figure it out on our own and, and, and make things happen and, and, and rushing through and just, oh, nah, you know what? I'm listening. I'm searching the word. I'm giving God time to speak. I'm giving God time to work. And oftentimes, it is time that brings you through these situations. So that's the remedy. Number six, the result. I love this. But those who wait upon the Lord, what? Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. All the promises that are there. And the renewed strength is the the strength that we had before the trial in a sense. It means to put on a fresh, renewed strength. And number one, we rise above the trials of life. What does he say here? They shall mount up with wings like eagles. That's such a cool phrase there. And the idea, of course, is that, that eagles, when they're old, when they've gone through life, there's a time in their life when they molt. They get rid of all their old, beat-up, tired, ugly-looking feathers, even their claws, even their beak. Some eagles don't even survive the molting because it's so taxing on their bodies. But then when they come through it and the new feathers are there, the new claws, the new beak and everything, they're renewed. It's like, you know, midlife crisis, eagle time, and they're ready to go. They're, they're brand new in a sense. And that's what it means here. We get this renewed strength. We're able to, to soar above everything else, the strength to get above this trial. And it speaks of new faith and assurance. When I wait upon the Lord, and when I wait, this is what I receive when I wait. When I'm listening, and I'm reading, I'm letting God act. Okay, Lord. Because ultimately, how you respond while you're waiting makes all the difference in the world. I mean, you can wait and fret and cry and whine and kick and throw your Bible in the trash and turn your back on God and and run straight to the bar and go back to the drugs. You can do all that. People do do that. And that's my heart and message here tonight, that you don't do that. Don't listen to the lies of the devil. Don't give up on God. Because he hasn't given up on you. And he's got a plan in all this. He really does. Renewed strength. Strength is so above. That's the measure of strength. How much are you going to get? So we rise above the trials, but also the ability to continue in the race. They shall run and not be weary. What? I can't even hardly even breathe. And you want me to run? But when you wait, this is what you receive. This is with, with this joy restored in your life. As you wait, as you get renewed strength, tomorrow morning, tonight, whatever, the time in the word, and you, oh my gosh, and, and, and he breathes into you, and just your, your spirit just comes upon you. You know what? I'm, I'm going on. I'm making it another day. One day, it's all Jesus said to worry about. I'm going one day. Just one day, Lord. One day. To continue in the race and to continue in the faith. Never giving up or giving in. He says here, and and walk, and you shall walk and not faint. And that's the purpose of the strength, to keep you walking, to keep you running, to keep you in the race. It doesn't do you any good to run a marathon, do 26 miles, and stop. You didn't finish. You don't get the medal. You don't get all the cheers at the finish line. You got two tenths to go. Tough two tenths, but you got it to go. The result, though, renewed strength in our lives. And so application tonight, four things. When trials come, and when they hit hard and your life is out of sorts, man, I'm telling you what, your head is just spinning around. It's in sense you got you to reset your walk. You got to, wait a minute. It's almost like someone's got to walk up to you and smack you. Get a hold of yourself. Stop thinking the way you are. Stop believing the lies. Stop being really just food for the devil. Jump out of the ring. You you can't win the devil. You can't get in the ring and box it. No, no. Reset. Get your head back on straight. 
Because really, ultimately, you're being pounded by the devil and, and he's just sitting back laughing. So you reset. When trials come, number one, realize, newsflash, trials are promised. We know this. And yet we still struggle, don't we? What? Okay, that's for the person sitting next to me. That's for my wife or whatever. No, not for, no. They're promised. Trials are promised. What did Jesus say in John 16, 33? These sayings I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have what? Say that again. You will have what? Uh-uh, I don't want to hear that. No, in the world I'm going to have. No, you're going to have tribulation. He says, be of good cheer, though I've overcome the world. Praise the Lord. But you're going to have tribulation. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. The reality here, realize the trials are going to come. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. You got to know this scripture. You got to have this in your heart. Because what happens when trials come? You just, oh my gosh, what is happening? What is going on around here? Oh, the hope, the world is coming to an end. I didn't know this. I didn't expect this. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Isn't that crazy when you're in the midst of it? You almost feel like you're the only one. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. (laughs) It's the truth. That's something, this is like something's wrong here. And don't get me wrong. We do cause probably most of our trials by our disobedience to God and his word. You're going to pay, the the consequences are there. But when it just comes, it just comes, and there isn't any reason, you know, in a sense from you, don't think it's strange. But rejoice to the extent, verse 13, that you partake of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. That's just nuts. I'm not going to rejoice in this. No, you're partaking. But don't think it's strange. But then over in chapter 5, Peter goes on to say, verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now he says here, this is part of of what you have to do here in realizing trials are going to come. Resist him, steadfast in the faith. Here's the key. Knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. What I'm going through, you're going through. And what you're going through, that person's going through. Circumstances, situations, unique to us. But I'm going to tell you what. On the staff here at Calvary Chapel South Bay, man, we, we've had some stuff going on with people's lives. Loss of husbands, loss of sons, people having surgery, people getting sick, things, life. But it's no different than what you're experiencing. And yet it can get so crazy. But it's experienced. Verse 10, but may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and I love this part, and settle you. Oh, okay, man, that one's finally over. Settle you. These trials that come. I'm read to you from this book that um, pastors read. And I've read this, I've, I've quoted this before to you in, in Bible studies gone by. But this guy, Ellie Maxwell, the same was written in 1950. The, the title of this chapter is Shut Up to Faith. And, and the book is called Crowded to Christ. And that's what these trials end up doing. But he goes on to say, many persons keep themselves in a perpetual state of fretting through hoping that they will get into a situation where they can enjoy a better Christian life. They feel enclosed in a net of circumstances which they cannot accept. They are so wearied and baffled and beaten by the continuous pressure about them that they wish and itch for things to be different, quite sure that if things were only different, Christ would be more real. It has never dawned upon them that at the heart of these very circumstances, 
They are to find Christ, find his grace sufficient, and find the life more abundant. That's what trials bring. He goes on to say, in spite of care and prayer, do things go wrong day after day in never-ending succession? Are you desperately holding out against the process, praying that the thorn may be removed only to be crowned with more? Worst of all, you know that you can neither manage nor control the forces arrayed against you. It's like, just shut the door, turn off the phone. I'm not moving. I'm so depressed. I'm staying in my bed. Maybe, maybe that is how I can get through all this. Huh. Why then not just settle down and settle in? Accept the fact that this is your lot for life and neither accidental nor incidental. Cease hoping for things to be otherwise and cease itching. He likes that word itching, obviously. Itching to be otherwhere, for you're not moving on, not moving out. This is life. This is home. You just as well unpack. In your weariest and weakest and most bewildered moments, simply say, now, Lord, here is my chance and yours. My chance to die and your chance to manifest the life of Jesus in me. Anybody want to sign up for that? <laughs> Bring them on, Lord. Bring on the trials. And this guy named George Romains, he wrote this. This is, this is pretty incredible. It's a tremendous moment when one is called upon to join the great army of those who suffer. The vast world of love and pain opens suddenly to admit us one by one within its fortresses. And we are afraid to enter into the land, yet you will, and you'll feel how high is the call. It is as a trumpet speaking to us that cries aloud, it's your turn. Endure. Play your part. As they endured before you, so now close up the ranks, be patient and strong as they were. Since Christ, this world of pain is not an accident, but a lawful department of life with experiences, hopes, and secrets of its own. These are all thrown open to us as we pass within the gates, things that we could never learn or know, or see, so long as things were well. And yet, when the trial hits, it can't end fast enough. But number one, realize, trials are promised. Number two, though, retreat into his presence. And I call that, call 911. Am I right? You're in the middle of it. It's going crazy. Call 911. What does that mean? Turn to Psalm 91. That's what that means. Some of you guys knew that, right? 911. This is one of my most favorite verses to quote in my heart and to focus on and to meditate upon in the midst of the storms and trials. Psalm 91, verse 1, and we'll throw in two as well. He who dwells or he who stays in this secret place, this is the secret place of his presence, of fellowship, of the Most High shall abide or live under the shadow of the Almighty. This place of his presence, this place of communion, this place of protection. I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, and him I will trust. Retreat into his presence. The storm hits. The hurricane's coming. It's first thing. Of course, <laughs> all right, here we go again. Ain't, ain't, no, no big deal here in a sense, but I'm retreating into his presence. I'm, I'm, I'm just tucking under God. I'm holding on to him with everything I got. I'm staying right here. I'm not moving. I'm staying with him. Retreat. Call 911. Stay in there in constant communion and fellowship with the Lord, knowing that he is walking with you. He's covering you. You, you, have, you have to have a shadow over you. You got to be under something. Okay, realize, but also retreat. Number three, though, refuse. Refuse to be moved. Refuse. And this is where this is where you got to get a little bit of a, a righteous attitude in a sense of, 
of, of just what is going on and what has taken place. Now, God is working in your heart and your life. There's no doubt. But like I said earlier, our adversary, the devil, he sees these things and he comes with everything he can. Even the story of Job. But Paul said in Acts 20, 24, heading in Jerusalem, even being warned by the Holy Spirit that trials and tribulations await me, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry that I've received from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Paul wasn't going to be moved. We got to refuse to be moved. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Most of you know this. New Christians, you may not know this passage. This is the spiritual warfare passage. This is the instruction regarding our adversary. Ephesians 6 verse 10. Paul teaching the Ephesian believers. This is, this is real stuff. This is serious stuff. But this is stuff you got to have in, in your back pocket, so to speak, in your, your armory, in your, your box. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. There's that power and that strength, okay? But it's all in the Lord. Then he says here now, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand Hold out against the wiles of the devil, the schemes of the devil, the tricks of the devil. Verse 12, this is such a, a, a spiritual truth that you, you, you got to understand this. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of the gauge, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. It isn't against your husband or your wife. It isn't against your kids. It isn't your boss. It isn't the, the people behind the counter there at the hospital just driving you crazy with all this insurance stuff. And it's not those people. It's our adversary. Principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. A spiritual warfare going on even in this room right now. In your heads. The devil, his minions, constantly. And in the midst of our trials, as we're going through it, he's there to pound. But I refuse to be moved. To stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Verse 14, stand therefore. And he goes on talking about all these different pieces of armor that you can read even later that if you don't know those. But the idea is that we stand, we withstand, we hold out against the work of the enemy. We refuse. And this is sometimes where you just got to, you know what? No, oh, I know exactly what's going on here. And, and I'm not getting into it with you. I'm not, I'm not taking that bait. I'm not listening to the lies. I'm, I'm like what Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan, to Peter. No, -uh, I'm not going there. And you sometimes have to just say, that's it. I'm not. Good try, but it isn't working today. Nope. Nope. I, I'm retreat, I've retreated into God's presence. I'm shielded by him. I'm hanging out with Jesus today. Devil, get, get out. I'm not listening. I refuse. I'm, I'm refusing to be moved. And I make this choice, and I must make this choice every single day, every moment, especially in the midst of a horrific trial that's going on. Because Satan's aim in the midst of what's going on is, is really what? To get you to move, to get you to, to believe his lie that God doesn't care. Just like the disciples in the boat, just like what we're reading here. <laughs> Lord. Don't you care where we're at? No. God does. The devil's lying. So we realize trials are promised. We retreat into his presence. We refuse to be moved. And number four, we remember his faithfulness. Remember his faithfulness. Lamentations 321. 
You got to know this scripture. This has got to be one that's memorized in your heart. Lamentations 3.21. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. What I recall to mind? That through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord's my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. Remember God's faithfulness. This I recall to mind. This I, what do I recall to mind? I recall to mind God's faithfulness and how he has brought me through the trial that I just came through. And, and the children of Israel were constantly told through scripture, remember what God did. Teach these to your children. All the, 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 um, the festivals, all the things that they were supposed to do were remembers, reminders of what God had done. All the things, the Passover, Exodus, all that stuff. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. And then even in Isaiah 49, turn to the right, a few pages there as we're back in our main area. This is such a cool scripture as well. Isaiah 49, 14. And this is, of course, continuing on the theme of Isaiah speaking comfort to them. But Zion said, the nation of Israel, Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me and my Lord has forgotten me. And of course, this that continual place that they're at because they've been, you know, they've been exiled. And then here, verse 15, can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I, God, will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. I just love that picture. We see that picture. And, and what was on the palm of Jesus' hands? Of course, we know the, the scars from the nails that were there. He's not going to forget us. We remember his faithfulness. This is proof. He went to the cross for us. And in Romans eight thirty two, man, he didn't spare his own son. Remember that. Remember his faithfulness. See, and in, in, in reading this, the trial didn't come to an end. And just because you wait on the Lord doesn't mean the trial is going to come to an end. You may be waiting a long time, but it's a whole lot better to be waiting in his presence, waiting strengthened, waiting in a sense where, you know, you, you're, you're actually being victorious in the midst of this trial than waiting and being a mess and a wreck and pulling everybody else around you down just as well. If you know what I'm talking about when it happens and, and you're just, okay, honey. She says that to me, you know. <laughs> but you're going to get through it. It's a promise from God. And the last place I want you to turn, Psalm 27. Psalm 27, verse 13, 14. And of course, a, a big key in this thing that we're talking about here is you got to believe. David, Psalm 27, great, great Psalm, verse 13. I would have lost heart or I would have fainted unless I had believed. Believed what? That I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That the Lord would bring me through this. That I would see his goodness in this. I would see his hand. Then he goes on to say, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So tonight, wherever you're at, and you may be, oh, you know what, man? My trial's passed. I'm doing pretty good tonight. Tomorrow's coming. <laughs> You're either in a trial, going into a trial, or coming out of a trial. Because it is the way of life as a Christian. But also tonight, maybe you have almost buckled under the weight. You've almost, and in reality, you have lost heart. 
you have fainted. But then again, you're here tonight. So there's hope and there's promise. And we're going to have the pastors come up here. We're going to have the worship team come back on stage. And I want to give you opportunity to come and pray with these guys, to agree in prayer, to, to really take a deep breath and say, you know what, okay, I'm, I'm starting over. I'm starting new. I can do this thing. And those four points that we talked about, I'm realize, okay, I realize there's trials. Okay, but I'm now retreating into his presence. And I am refusing with a righteous attitude to be moved. And I'm going to remember God's faithfulness in my life. I'm going to remember the last trial because ultimately, yes, it's been a rough year, but I'm still standing. You're still standing. People on staff who've lost loved ones, they're still standing. They're still holding on. You're still holding on. You're still here. God was faithful, wasn't he? Remember that. And allow God to speak a minister to your heart. Maybe you're here tonight, and, and this message is spoken to your heart because you're dying because you don't know Jesus. He, he, he wants so badly to have a relationship with you, to have you come to know him so he can help you, so he can give you everything that you need for this life. So you're not relying upon the drugs and the alcohol. You're not looking to everything else in this world that doesn't bring any hope anyhow. You come forward too to be prayed for, to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. Let us all stand. I'm going to pray. At this time, anybody come forward and then you're free to go whenever you want. But We're going to continue worshiping. We're going to continue waiting on the Lord down here. Don't leave here tonight without God touching and speaking to you if you need it. Amen? Father, thank you, Lord, again for your word. Thank you for your promises, Lord. Thank you that you are faithful, that you will not let us go, that, Lord, you're holding on to us now. And, Lord, as we wait upon you, Lord, even now as we wait upon you, Lord, your promise to renew our strength, Lord, that we would mount up on wings as eagles, that we would run and not grow weary, we would walk and not faint, Lord. Bless these people here. Encourage the downtrodden, Lord. Lift them up, I pray, Lord. Bless, we ask, in Jesus' name. Amen.